Well, good morning and welcome to Ritson Road Alliance Church online and at home. Uh, my name is Chris Corbin and I have the privilege of serving as the pastor here at the church. And I wanted to start by saying that uh, no matter where you have joined us from, uh, welcome. We are thrilled to have you with us here this morning. Uh, I see that Gary's online, the Wongs are here, the Zoobs, uh, Trudy, and, and so many more of you guys. Just welcome. Um, it's great to have you joining with us. And we really do love knowing that you're joining with us, um, that you have come in and, and been a part of our live stream. And so if you're joining with us this week, make sure you say hi. Uh, say hello in the chat or in the comments. And, and as always, feel free to uh, just really engage with us. Um, and so we continue to just move in church and we're figuring all of this stuff out. And uh, just, you know, we're figuring out all the technical difficulties and we'll get there eventually. Um, but we're just trying to, to work through this as we continue to work from home. I'll figure it out. This is the beauty of church. This is just as if we were at church and having technical difficulties. But uh, we're making it work. We're going to see how things go. And um, <laughs> hey, we're thankful you're here. And uh, we're also thankful that you continue to support us as a church. Um, and that you're supporting the work that we're doing as we partner together for, re for uh, God's kingdom uh, in Oshawa, in the Durham region, and Ontario and beyond. Um, and it's just so important. Everything we do is because of the work that you're doing in and through us. So thank you for that. Um, and if you're interested in partnering with us, if you're on our live stream, there's a, a button at the top that you can click to give. Um, or you can contact the church office. And there's lots of different ways that we can get you uh, connected. Um, and partnering with the work that we're doing as a church. I also want to remind you of a few things that even though we're in a restricted time where we're not able to gather in person and, and be able to you know, meet together, um, we still have online gatherings that are happening throughout the week. Um, we have a few of our ministries that have continued to, to, to press in during this time. And um, we have our Tuesday and Wednesday night men's groups that are meeting uh, uh, Tuesday night is our regular meeting with the men, and Wednesday night is a soul care group. We have our Wednesday night women's uh, nights that is gathering online through Zoom meetings. Uh, we have youth every other Friday, and our young adults continue to meet. And so if you're interested in connecting with any of those ministries, yeah, you can check out our website, um, or you can contact Maria at the church office, and she would be happy to get you some of that information. And I recognize that some of you are just, you're hesitant to join online groups. Um, you know, it's not the same, we're not in person, and that's really your preference, that you would be able to gather with people um, in person, and so online maybe doesn't feel like your sort of thing. Um, but I want to encourage you, don't dismiss uh, these online groups before you ask God uh, if maybe he wants to do something through, through those online groups for you this year. And so take time, consider what God might be leading you to, and maybe he's actually asking you to step out of your comfort zone and into one of these online groups. Um, and so with that being said, I recognize that most of you probably have never, never expected that one day you are going to have to, um, <laughs> go to church online. There was sort of this assumption maybe that you would get to continue to meet in person that, you know, we live in North America where it's kind of free. There's no options like, or there's no restrictions on us gathering. And you would have never guessed that we were meeting online. And for some of you, it has meant 
huge adjustments. I mean, as you see, we're still having tef technical difficulties. We're still trying to figure it out. But we know that you guys are working through some of the same issues. You're trying to figure out how to get online, how to connect, how to stay part of the church. And I want you to know that we really appreciate the hard work that you've put in, that you have and endeavored to do that, to, to be a part of the church, to continue to partner with us. We value you so much that you are still with us. Uh, we know it hasn't been easy, so thank you for continuing to press in and continuing to gather with us as a family, even if it is socially distant and online. And so whether you are joining us online um, for one, one sermon, you just hopped on, you've happened to find us through this, Maybe you're connected and you're connected with our online groups and um, it doesn't matter if you're just here for this Sunday or if you're here and you're partnering with us long-term. Our desire really is that you would know God, that you would know him deeper and more intimately, um, that you would experience the transforming power of Jesus's presence. Um, we long to be a community that is devoted to loving one another and to people and to being a people who are moved to mission, who share the love of God with our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, and the world around us. And so with that in mind, this is the place that we long to be. We long for you to encounter God in and through these services. And as we begin our service, I just want to invite God to do that this morning, that God would be with us, that he would meet with us each in a unique way this morning. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? So, Father God, we come to you this morning, and, uh, you know, technology works when it works, and sometimes it doesn't, and it's frustrating, and sometimes it leaves us just discouraged. But you are faithful. You are a God who is ever-present. And you are a God who longs to meet with us. And so this morning, Lord, we invite you to be present among us, to, for us to recognize your presence around us. Would you fill the spaces and the places where we are right now, our homes, our cars, wherever we might be sitting and, and worshiping from and following you, doctor's offices, wherever it might be. And Lord, would you come and would you meet with us? Would you open our hearts and our minds to experience you and to see you, to hear your voice, and would you lead and guide this service this morning? And through all of this, our hope and our desire is to know you better, to honor and glorify you. And so may that happen this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> what a great video on prayer. And welcome back. Uh, this morning, we're continuing our series called Teach Us to Pray. Uh, and we're exploring just that. What does it mean to pray? And what are some of the ways that we can pray? And so this morning is actually our third session, our third um, portion in the series. And if you're just joining with us and you've maybe missed the previous two sermons, I invite you to check them out. You can do that either on our website or Facebook. But before we kind of get into this morning, I want to remind you about a little bit about what we talked about last week. Uh, we were talking about the Lord's Prayer, and I actually invited each one of you to consider praying the Lord's pray, Prayer each day during your prayer time. Uh, and what's more than that, I, I want to continue to challenge you, as I've been challenging you the past couple of weeks, to consider setting aside some time each day, if you haven't already done so, to pray. Um, to give space, to give time to seeking God and engaging with Him in a relationship. But I want to ask you a few questions. 
if you took time to pray through the Lord's Prayer last week, how did it go? You know, was it helpful? Were you able to kind of get into a rhythm with God? Um, were you able to meet with God as you engaged with the words of Scripture, the, the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray? Um, how did God meet you? You know, if God answered your prayers as you were praying through, maybe you want to reflect on that. Did, did God answer your prayers? Did you meet with him? Did you in, encounter him? And if you did, why don't you throw that in the chat? Why don't you throw that in the comment sections? Let us know. Uh, and maybe it's a personal, you don't want to share the details of it, but how has God been meeting you as you've been praying with, to him, as you've been experiencing uh, him and meeting and connecting? You know, are you seeing the fruit of that time in prayer? It encourages us to just see that God is speaking. But maybe you came from it from a perspective, you've been praying and you're just sort of struggling. You're trying to get into it, but it's not really working. Uh, I want to ask you, have you considered why that might be? Have you set aside that time to pray? Did you set aside some time in your schedule, whether it's the morning or in the evening or while you're, you're maybe driving to work still, to take that in time to intentionally seek God? Or are you just trying to like kind of wing it? Whenever it's kind of convenient, I'll, I'll make five minutes and you end up filling your schedule so full that it just never happens. Or maybe you get there and you're just tired and maybe the time that you're meeting God just doesn't work and you're just too exhausted. Um, maybe think about those things. Consider how God might be wanting to meet with you as you intentionally set time to connect with him. And I want to say this, if you struggled, don't get discouraged. Um, as we've been continuing to work through this series and as I've been reading and studying myself, I was actually encouraged by this account of uh, Teresa of Avila. She was this passionate prayer warrior. Um, she had this dream that she was going to set up all of these convents and these houses of prayer where people would be able to come and just pursue deeper prayer lives, deeper lives of devotion to God. And, and she wanted to institute and equip people to pray. And so here's this prayer warrior. And she actually admits in some of her writing that there would be times where she would take her hourglass that she was using to set aside her time to pray. And she would shake it so that it would go faster. And, and so we've all been there. There's times where we're just like, ah, this prayer time never going to end. <laughs> and then there's the disciples. I love the disciples. You know, when they came to Jesus and they asked him to teach them how to pray, it really actually only came after they had been watching him pray regularly, day and night, and regularly slipping off to meet with God, that they eventually realized, this is important, and this is something I need to do. And that's when they asked Jesus to teach them. And so for Jesus, it didn't seem like a chore. It wasn't a burden. It was something that he longed to do. And eventually the disciples figured that out. And so that's why they asked him to pray. And that's why we are asking the same thing. Lord, would you teach us to pray? We recognize that this is important to our lives and, and to our spiritual journeys, and, and we want to do it well. We're always learning. And so I encourage you, just keep pressing in. But this morning, I just want to briefly give you a definition once again of what it is that we're talking about when we're referring to prayer. And so prayer is this. It is both a conversation and an encounter with God. Uh, it, it's meeting with him. It's talking with him, not just at him, but it is a mutual conversation. And so like any good conversation, it has to go both ways. 
as much as we are speaking to God, we need to be letting him speak to us. And just like any kind of communication that we learn and as we grow in that, we want to learn how to communicate better. We want to learn how to listen better. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so Jesus clearly believed that it was possible for his followers to hear his voice as he was speaking. It was, it, he believes that it's possible for us to hear him when he speaks to us. And that's a wonderful thing, that we can learn to hear God's voice. I love this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, the child learns to speak because the father speaks to him. So we learn to speak to God because God has spoken to us and speaks to us. You see, Bonhoeffer recognized that there was this mutual conversation that comes. When you look at kids, you know, the way they develop and begin to articulate speech and be able to, to understand how to speak properly is because their parents speak to them. You know, we start off with like baby words maybe, and then we progress into uh, more complex sentences. And that's how a child learns. And so it's the same with prayer. We learn how to speak and how to pray to God because he is already speaking to us. And so part of that is also we recognize we have to learn those tools. We have to develop those skills about how do we learn to communicate with God? How do we learn to hear him speaking to us so that we can in turn speak back to him? And one of those tools that we have is called meditative prayer. Now, when I say meditative prayer, I recognize that some of you are going to feel somewhat uncomfortable. Um, and so as we get into this, I want to begin by, as I'm describing what meditative prayer is, by actually beginning by describing what it's not. Because I think that it's important to establish that for you first. And so the first thing that you need to understand, when we're talking about meditative prayer, we're not talking about new age spirituality we're not talking about transcendent meditation or or even other religions where we're trying to empty ourselves where we're trying to get to a place of nothingness or or any of those kind of things we're not emptying our minds or our thoughts or our process uh, in fact what we're talking about when we're talking about meditative prayer is um, actually focusing on jesus we are focusing on god and making him the center of our thoughts and so when we're meditating, we're focusing on him. Um, so it's not escaping. It's not trying to empty our thoughts. It's focusing on Jesus. The other reality is, is that not only are we focusing on Jesus, meditative prayer is actually a biblical practice. Uh, we see it throughout the scriptures. You know, in Joshua, we see after Moses has led the people of Israel and, and he's passing away and Joshua takes the reins God comes to him and he says this, he says to Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You see, God actually commands Joshua to meditate on the word of God. Later, we see David who becomes the king of Israel and he is praying to God in the Psalms. And in Psalm 19, he says, May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, David understood that it was important to meditate on God and to focus on him, and that he could offer God 
a pleasing meditation from his heart. We see it in the, in the Gospels. Actually, Luke continuously talks about Jesus who, who would take day and night to go and pray. He was continuously seeking God the Father and reflecting upon him. Uh, in Paul's instructions to the Thessalonian church, he says, pray continuously or continually. There's this idea that we are constantly focused in prayer, that we are constantly focused in meditating on God. And there are so many more uh, examples throughout Scripture where we actually see the, the authors of the Scripture praying and, and, and meditating. We see places where God actually encourages and commands us to meditate. And so sometimes that's just a little bit of that, that tension. So we're not talking about the emptying ourselves. We're not talking about mindlessly coming to a place of, of oneness with the universe. We're talking about focusing our thoughts and our hearts on God and his word. The second thing that meditative prayer is not is an in-depth Bible study. This is not rigorous study where we're not going back to seminary or to seminary. We're not spending all of our times digging into every single detail and nuance of every word that we find in the passage. Um, we're not, you know, you know, doing a whole exegetical study on the passage. Now, those are certainly great things, and, and those are some of the ways that God certainly speaks to us, and I want to encourage you to do those kind of things. Press into deep Bible study. Learn kind of the, the content and, and the historical background of the Scriptures. But that's not what we're talking about, meditative prayer. Meditative prayer is really more of a reflective and kind of a pondering. It's internalizing and personalizing a passage. It's allowing the living word of God to become a living word in us. And this can be a long process, and it can also sometimes be a short time. Maybe we only have five minutes and we're just reflecting on a very small portion of Scripture. So it's not meditation where we're getting rid of every, you know, all of our thoughts, where it's not New Age spirituality, it's biblical, and it's not an in-depth Bible study. So what is meditative prayer? Well, meditative prayer really is this. It's listening. It's hearing God speak to us. It's learning to hear His voice coming to us through the Scriptures. It's the habit of pondering and picturing and uh, personalizing and practicing Scripture. It's allowing the very Word of God to teach and transform us. The, you know, it's using our imaginations to put ourselves into the place of Scripture, as if we are there with God and in those moments. It's hearing the words come and not just hit us in our head, not just hitting us in our intellect, but also resonating in our hearts and our emotions and in our soul. So how do we do that? It's learning how to listen. It's learning how to allow God to teach us. I read a, a quote by Larry King, and I, I'll be honest, this was actually on uh, an Indigo ad, and so I have no clue the, the greater context of his quote. But he says this. He says, nothing I say this day will teach me anything. So if I'm going to learn, I must do so by listening. I love it. There, there's so much that we can learn about who God is just simply by listening to him speak through his word and through the scriptures. You know, normally at this point in the service, I would invite you to open up your Bibles uh, with me to a particular passage to read the scriptures. I'm not going to do that this morning. Instead, this morning, I want you to listen as the words are being spoken over you. 
And so I want you maybe if you need to just to close your eyes, I recognize if you have kids, you might not want to do that because you don't know what they'll do once you close your eyes. But just enter into a position where you can just listen to the words of God as they're spoken over you. And I want to read Psalm 1 to you. And so as we enter into this, just allow God to speak to you. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the righteous, the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What an incredible passage as, as we hear the words of David, the psalmist. And so I wonder, what does Psalm 1 teach us about meditative prayer? Meditative prayer, first and foremost, is based on the word of God. Did you hear the words of the psalmist as he was quoting them, as he was declaring them? They sounded really familiar, didn't they? The words almost sounded like they were coming directly from the book of Joshua that we read earlier, that we were reflecting upon, where God instructs Joshua to meditate on the word of the Lord day and night. And it's as if David is picking up on that passage from God, and he is listening to those very same words. He's saying, this is what I'm going to meditate on. I meditate on the law, and this is what will bless, be blessed as I meditate on your words, O Lord. And so the psalmist is saying that when we are meditating, when we are enter entering into meditative prayer, we are focusing on the scriptures. We are focusing on the word of God. And that's great because the scriptures, the word of God, the Bible, they are the written method through which God has used, or is using to communicate his truth. It's how he's communicating his heart to the people and to the world. And so it's one of the best ways that we can actually allow God to speak to us is through his communication, through his words already written to us. So meditative prayer is actually then taking the truth the scriptures. It's reflecting upon them. And it's usually taking a small passage. It's not taking a whole giant book and reflecting all at once. But it's taking a small passage that we can use as a window into God's presence, a place to be able to hear his voice. And it's inviting the Spirit of God who dwells in us to illuminate the, those words and bring them to life for us. One of the books that I'm currently reading is called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. And it's by an author by the name of Richard Foster. And in his book, he tells the story of a friend named Jim. And Jim is this guy who is struggling to maintain a spiritual life. He, he's wrestling with his faith. And so he decides that he's going to take a spiritual retreat. And so he heads away to, I, I don't know if it was a monastery or convent or wherever he goes. He goes to a spiritual retreat center. And while he's there, he's given a spiritual director. And this spiritual director is supposed to guide him through this process of, of getting into a deeper place with God. 
But his spiritual, spiritual director gives him only one assignment. He says, meditate on the passage in Luke where the angel comes to Mary and tells her that she's pregnant with, with Jesus, that she is going to have the Messiah. Well, Jim is kind of a little bit confused, thinking, well, this is a passage that I've, I've read and I've known. How many times have I read it? How many times have I heard it at Christmas services and those kind of things? And so he heads back to his room and he's a little bit frustrated. And he's like, all right, well, I'll do the work. And so he kind of determines that he's going to come up with a few different kind of uh, profound theological insights. He's going to impress the spiritual director with his insights into this passage that God, you know, that his, he's been given. And so he works through that and he, he does it. He reads through it a few times. And there's probably a lot of times where he says he was just sort of twiddling his thumbs because how many times can you read this small passage? Well, the next day he goes back and he meets with his spiritual director and the spiritual director asks him, how did it go? And so Jim shares his insights with him, thinking, well, this might impress him, that I've come up with these great theological, very deep, profound insights into this passage. And the spiritual director kind of confuses him because he says, well, that's great, but what was your aim in reading the passage? And so Jim's a little bit confused, and he says, well, to arrive at an understanding of the meaning of the text, what else is there? Isn't that kind of what we do when we approach Scripture? Like, we want to understand exactly what it's meant to say. And so we read it with these theological eyes, trying to be profound in understanding it. And his spiritual director kind of goes on. He says, well, did you consider what it actually means? What does it mean to you? Are there, what did it say? Did anything strike you out of the passage that maybe you haven't seen before? How did you experience God as you were reading it? And so Jim kind of goes back, and he's, he's kind of in the same assignment. Read through this passage, reflect upon it, meditate upon it. And so the days go by, and Jim keeps doing this, and he keeps focusing on it. And then one day he eventually realizes kind of that he was trying too hard. He was trying to force thoughts and, and all of his understanding on the passage. He wasn't actually allowing God to speak to him through it. And so finally, he got to the point where he just cried out, God, I can't do this. You have to come and speak. And so then, as he sat there with the word, he just sat there letting them wash over him as he read through them. And God finally spoke to him. And he describes it as though the Spirit took him deep into Mary's feelings, doubts, her fears, and even her faith-filled response. He said it was as if the through the course of all of this, he was actually journeying into his own feelings, his own doubts, and his own fears. And then ultimately back into his own faith-filled response to God's voice. He was able to put himself in the place of Mary as, as the angel and as God came to her and gave her new, this good news. And the doubts that she had, the fears, and then ultimately say, yes, Lord. And he was able to process his own fears as God has come to him and invited him into a deeper place. And all of the fears that he had, and ultimately to a place where he would say, yes, Lord, whatever you will. And so this is kind of what meditative prayer looks like. You know, it, it, it's entering into a passage of scripture. It's focusing on the words of God and allowing them to wash over us. It's allowing God to speak to us through them. It's not us putting our own thoughts and feelings and, and our own truths onto God's Word. 
Um, it, it's, a, it's pondering them. It's asking questions like, what difference does this passage actually make? What difference does the work of Jesus make in my life? What difference do the truths of the Psalms mean for me? What can I learn about God and, and what can I learn about myself as I read through these passages? And so it's pondering those things. It, it's reflecting on the passage and asking God these kind of questions, allowing him to speak. So Richard F Foster, he actually describes meditative prayer this way. He says, it's the truth being meditated upon as it passes from the mouth and into the mind and down into the heart, where through quiet rumination, regurgitation, if you will, it produces in the person praying a loving, faith-filled response. It's taking those words over and over and over again and allowing them to, to, to circulate in us. It's allowing us to ponder them in our hearts and in our souls, not just in our minds until they come to a place where they become alive within us. And so, as, you know, as we're reading through all of this, that leads me to my next point. So, first and foremost, it's based on Scripture. This is where we see God speaking, and, and Scripture is not the only way that God speaks, but it, this is how we can meditate on Him and reflect on Him. But the next point is, is that it actually leads us to a place of transformation. It does something within us. As we reflect and as we ponder, as we meditate on God's word and on who God is, transformation will come. As we look back at Psalm 1, we can see that there are actually benefits to those who meditate on God's word. The psalmist tells us that the person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. This is the person who meditates on God's word, who reflects on it, who ponders it, who breathes in it deeply, who allows it to be more than just head knowledge, but allows it to truly enter into their heart and their soul. And so first and foremost, he says that we are trees planted along the riverbank. And so when you think of trees that are planted along the riverbank, you think of trees that are full and lush. You think of trees that grow large, and so those who meditate are the, those who have an ability to endure. They're those who have grown deep. Trees that are planted by streams have deep roots. They are strong and secure. And so when the dry times come, they are able to endure because they have these deep roots. And so those who meditate are those who have deep roots as well. They are able to endure when hard times come because they have deep roots. They have formulated the word of God and allowed it to so be enriched and deep within them. That even when hard times come, even when dry times come, where maybe they aren't even experiencing or sensing the presence of God, they know deep within them they are not swayed. They are not broken because they have this deep, deep sense of God as they have meditated and allowed his word to enter into them. And Paul talks about these deep roots in Ephesians 3. When he's praying for the Ephesian church, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And as I was reflecting upon that and thinking about how Paul is giving them, that he has this prayer for them, that they would come to this deeply profound knowledge of God's love. And it's only if they understand the word of God, if they only understand the truths about who God is and his love for them, and that they have allowed it to ruminate. They have allowed it to become established in them. You know, it's, we see it, that, the, that God would strengthen them in their inner being, you know, that his love would grow and that they would possess this deep knowledge. It's not just a head knowledge. It is a whole body, mind, soul, and spirit knowledge that only comes from truly grasping the words of God and bringing them in and making them alive within themselves. Similarly, the psalmist says that another benefit for those who meditate is that their leaves never wither. And so unlike the wicked, and and the psalmist talks about the wicked and how they're like chaff and they're blown away, people who meditate on the word of God are people who become people of substance. You know, they have deep convictions. They're not blown around. They're not swayed. They're, they're, they're deeply rooted. They, they thrive because they have allowed the truth of God to become so deeply formed in them that it's not just words anymore. You know, I have the privilege of sitting on the ordaining council for our district of churches and Basically, what that means is that we have responsibility for interviewing some of our pastors who are going through the process of ordination. And it's quite a process where a candidate has to demonstrate their understanding of theology and their ability to handle God's word and be able to you know, articulate their call to ministry. And eventually, they get to a point where they're given an interview, where they're able to kind of, it's the culmination of all of their work and working through the theology and making sure they have a good grasp of it. And they come before the interviewing council, and they're given all these questions. They're asked about their theology. They're asked about their experience with God, where they get to, to share those kind of things. They're able to demonstrate just how truly they understand the theological importance and word of God. And this past week, I actually had the, the privilege of sitting in on two interviews. And I was impressed by both of the candidates. As they were answering the questions of this, this council, uh, they understood everything. It wasn't just that they were regurgitating some theological information that they had memorized. They had clearly wrestled with the scriptures. They had clearly lived out the scriptures. They weren't just words in a book. They were words and truths about who God is and their relationship to him that they had internalized, that they had pondered, that they had reflected upon, that they had allowed to come alive as God spoke and revealed the truths of them of these theologies and these understanding and the word to them. They were people of substance. I had no doubt in my mind that no matter what would come at them in life, they would not be blown away. They would not wither. They would not shrink away because the profound reality of the truth of God was so deeply enriched in them because they had taken time to wrestle, to ponder, to reflect on the truths of who God is and what he was saying to them and how they were to respond. And so the reality is, is that biblical meditation, prayerful meditation is always focused on scripture. It is something that transforms us as God's word begins to be molded and shaped into who we are 
and into our lives. But the reality is also this, is that ultimately, biblical or prayerful meditation always invokes a response. We can't simply pray to God to wrestle with his word and then to walk away unchanged. And so as we continue to meditatively pray on God, it's not just about helping us to feel close to God. That's not the whole point. It's just that I get warm, fuzzy feelings that I've spent time with God. It's not just about growing deep roots and being able to endure hard times and, and, and the struggles that might come our way. It is about bearing fruit. You know, the psalmist reminds us that those who meditate on the word of God will bear fruit in season. And so as we engage in meditative prayer, uh, we need to be asking ourselves all sorts of questions. What difference does this passage really make in my life? How is God speaking to me? How do I need to respond in light of what I have learned through the word of God today? How do I need to respond in light of who God is? And so there's a number of ways that we might respond. And some of them are just this. They're going to be on your screen. One of the ways that we might respond through meditative prayer is actually salvation. You know, consider what would happen if you were to reflect and meditate on John chapter 3. You know, when we consider the mind-boggling sacrifice that Jesus would willingly die for us. Jesus willingly died for you. And as you begin to ponder and truly wrestle with what does that mean, how do I need to respond, so it be, we become so deeply aware of God's redemptive love and grace to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, that it leads us to a place of salvation. Sometimes meditative prayer could also lead you to repentance. You know, as you're reflecting upon the Word of God and you realize the things in your life are just not the way that God intended for them to be, and you are so deeply moved by the holiness of God and your unrighteousness that you simply have to seek His forgiveness. You have to repent from those things that you have been doing and turn back towards Him, seeking the forgiveness of sins. Meditative prayer can also bring us an assurance of peace. You know, imagine meditating on Jesus' words to the disciples when he says in John chapter 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. As you ponder those, as you reflect upon what it actually is that Jesus is telling the disciples, what it actually is that Jesus is telling you when he says, my peace I give to you. It leads us to a place where we actually have that assurance of God is in control, that we have peace with him. You know, a response to truth of this kind of prayer also sometimes will lead us to, to obedience. It'll lead us to deeper places of discipleship and mission. You know, I want you to consider for a moment, if you remember the story of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah is, is seeking God, and he actually has this an encounter, this vision of God, where he's taken to the throne room. And as he's there, as he is in the throne room of God, he hears the voice of God speaking to him, saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And in that moment, Isaiah has a response to his encounter with God, and he says, Here I am, send me. You see, when we meditate, when we encounter God through his word to us, through his presence before us, it will transform us and it will lead us 
to respond. It will lead us to bear fruit. Not just for our lives, but for the lives of others. This morning, God invites us to hear his voice just like Isaiah did when he says, who will go for us? Are you listening to God's voice this morning? Are you listening to him as he speaks to you through the word? As you reflect on his words and his voices to us. So that leads us to the question, how can we meditate? And there's no real magical formula for how to, to do meditative prayer. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can do it. But I want to give you just a few steps that will help you on this journey or to help you get started. And the first one is this, pick a quiet space. Pick a place that you can actually pause and think without distractions. You know, in your kitchen with kids running around might not be the best place for you to do that. Maybe it's while you shower, or maybe it's while you're exercising or going for a walk, but something quiet, someplace where you're able to reflect and actually allow God to speak to you. Next, I wanna invite you to pick a passage of scripture to use for your meditative prayer. Consider a Psalm, maybe Psalm 19 or, uh, or like Psalm 1, or perhaps pick a well-known historical passage, kind of like what Jim did in his, his encounter with the spiritual director, reflecting on the words of the angel to Mary, or maybe a, a passage like Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes. The next step is to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate the passage, to bring life to it as you reflect to it. This is actually one of the truths about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. He is sent so that we can understand the word of God, that they would be illuminated to us and that they would lead us to Jesus. And then next is read over the passage. Allow the words to flow over you and in and through you. Maybe you want to consider memorizing the passage or, or listening to an audio version but you're trying to immerse yourself into the passage. You're asking God to reveal himself to you. And maybe as you're doing that, you even want to consider paraphrasing it in your own words, taking those truths and really just regurgitating and re like renumerate. Re, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Focus on them, bring, keep going over them and allowing them to kind of just stir up and stir up and settle and then bring them back up and just continue to, to reflect and think upon them. And then those are the steps. And really just allow God to speak to you. And keep pressing and keep doing it. And get, maybe God doesn't speak to you every single time you do it. But keep pressing into it each day where you will seek him, where you will allow God's word to focus on you. And maybe you need to do it all week, just like Jim did. Where you need to keep coming back to the same verse and allowing God to speak and allowing and stop trying to put your own thoughts onto it. Stop trying to put your own feelings into it. And just let God speak to you. I want to close with uh, this final story. And it's a story that Pete Gregg shares. And Pete is the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. And he tells of a time when he was eating pizza with uh, Brendan Manning. And during their meal, Manning looks over to Pete and he says this. He asks him this question, this question. He says, what if the hour you spend in the prayer room, and Pete was famous for these prayer rooms and still is, he says, what if the hour you spend in the prayer room is when you refocus on Jesus so that you can carry his presence with you into the other 23 hours of the day? And I was blown away. I was struck by that. This is why we do meditative prayer. 
It's so that we can encounter Jesus, so that we can focus on him and allow him to transform our lives so that we can actually carry his presence. You might not be at the point where you're spending an hour in prayer each day, or maybe you're well beyond that, where an hour hardly seems like anything. But the point is this, is that it is the presence of God that sustains us. It is the presence that gives us deep roots that enable us to grow fruit and for our leaves not to wither. And so if we don't spend time being refreshed in God's presence, we're actually going to end up burning out. We're going to be like chaff that it just gets blown away, that doesn't last and doesn't sustain. Ultimately, if we're not spending time in the presence of God, reflecting and allowing Him to speak to us, we're going to be ineffective in our mission for Him. It's through experiencing His presence and His life transformation in us through His Word that, we, that God speaks to us, that we are then able to carry those words in His presence to the world around us. It's how we truly understand the truth of His love and His grace and His mercy and the plans for His kingdom and live them out to those who are around us. And so meditative prayer is just one of the ways that we are able to enter into the presence of God. Once again, I'm going to invite you in just a few moments here to, to, to consider some questions for reflection. To take up op- an opportunity to reflect on how is, how is your prayer life doing? What are some of the rhythms that you have? What do you think about meditative prayer? To, to ask God, how will you speak to me? But as we do that, before we get to that place of meditate or these reflection questions, let's just close in a word of prayer. Let's allow God to come and speak to us this morning. Would you pray with me? So, Father God, we come to you and I thank you that you do speak to us. You are a God who, who actually has a voice. And if we listen and if we posture ourselves to hear from you, we will actually receive. That you will teach us, you will lead us, you will guide us. We will encounter your presence and you will transform us and lead us on mission as your words and as your truth are deeply rooted in our lives and as they grow into deep, uh, big, mature trees. And just like Paul says, that we would understand, that we would truly understand the depths and the heights of your love towards us. That it wouldn't just be a head knowledge, but it would be a, a knowledge that is so deep within us that it roots us to the core, that we are so connected into your presence. And Lord, as we continue to press into meditative prayer on a daily basis, that we are allowing your word to wash over us, to transform us, that we would actually begin to sense with greater ease your presence, that it would actually become more natural to hear your voice speaking in all circumstances, through all forms of prayer, through all opportunities when we engage with your word and with the word around us. So I thank you, Lord, that we have the ability to pray, that we can come before you, that you have given us your word to reflect upon. And as we reflect upon our word, Lord, your Lord, Lord, I just pray that ultimately that is what we would experience, is your deep and loving presence in our life, that we would know you, that we would put our faith and our trust in you and follow you. And so I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.